Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. We're starting a series today called Navigating Relationships. And actually, I want to mention before I get into this, we will do more brotherhood campouts now that we realize how easy it is to pull off. It's just phenomenal. So I'll see you this Friday if you want. I'm just kidding. Lots of the men have asked, though, so we will do some more of them. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, new series, Navigating Relationships, two opening principles that will be on screen for these next couple months. Following Jesus completely changes three relationships. It changes your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship with yourself. And that's what we're going to talk about. Another principle is that following Jesus completely changes how you relate to your past, your present, and your future. So that's all in the category of how you relate to yourself. And make no mistake, you have a relationship with yourself. And you have to learn how to make that relationship healthy. And today we're going to look at how God gives you and us a vision for the future that empowers you to approach it with passionate hope, faith, and action. And my prayer, and I've been praying for you all week about this, is that we as a church and you as an individual and as a family would see this vision like never before. And the title today is People of Vision. There's an opening principle in your notes, number one. It's important to have vision, a picture of the future that produces passion. To have something out in front of you that has a sense of hopefulness. When I was a 23-year-old young man, I met a young 19-year-old named Jessica who would become my wife, and I caught a vision for my future that produced passion. Right? And I decided I need to pursue that woman. I felt like Charlie Brown in the classic Peanuts movie. All of life's possibilities became clear, and I pursued my wife. And now we're 16 or 17 years married. I'm getting blurry on the numbers now. It's been that long. I should know. I didn't prepare well. Vision is actually important for every aspect of our lives. Pay attention to this. It determines how we relate with our future. You have a relationship with your approach to the future. Now, it does not mean that you have to know exactly what will happen, because none of us do, but it does mean that you have to have a sense of hope and expectancy for the future. Look what Proverbs 29, 18 says in the King James Version first, where there is no vision, the people perish. And then in the New International Version, it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. As Christians, there's really a relationship between vision and revelation. We're not just talking vision like you hear companies or CEOs talk about what's your vision, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we're talking about a vision from heaven. We're interested in the vision that God reveals to us about us, about what this life is all about. I heard someone say recently, the whole world is in an existential crisis, and the only answer is Jesus because he is our creator and has a vision for what life is meant to be all about. Even the very small things in life begin with vision. If you don't like your current job or if you don't have one, you get a vision for looking for a new job and you act on it. Or if there's a problem, sometimes people invent something and get a vision for something that becomes useful to the rest of us. Vision always begins when there's some kind of dissatisfaction with the present reality. Let me give you a few intense examples. I don't know about you, but for me, it's not okay that some people in the world don't have clean drinking water. So that problem that we are dissatisfied with gives us vision as Christians and as a church to be a part of providing clean water, which we do on a regular basis. It's not okay that kids get bullied in school. 
So let's do something about that. That's what Graceland Youth is about. That's why we raise our children to be kind, or if they go through that, we help them through it. It's not okay, and look at this, for me, in my own relationship to myself, to be paralyzed with fear or anxiety. So when I become dissatisfied with that, I realize I need to do something about this, and then emerges vision. It's not okay that kids are growing up learning more about the way of the world than the way of Jesus, so we have vision. There's a preferred future that creates dissatisfaction with the present, and it's your number two principle in your notes. Vision begins with the dissatisfaction of the present reality. Now, this seems so logical, but we miss this. Look at me for a second. If your present reality isn't good, make the decision to not stay there. That's called vision. Sometimes we just so settle in to this present reality that we kind of hate, we complain about, we, we, we grumble about it. If it's not good, make the decision to not stay. It's like Winston Churchill, who said, if you're walking through hell, keep going. Vision is the drive that says we cannot stay here. It would actually be unthinkable to stay here. And it was like that for the prophet Habakkuk when he wrote this in chapter one, verses two through four. He said, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Don't you sometimes feel like that's like what our whole news cycle is like, God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. And I think the word perversion really helps us make sense of what's happening in our world and in our culture today. We, we are, things are so perverted, and that just means the truth being twisted, that, that many call evil good and good evil. And sometimes even those that are trying with pure heart to help, to serve, to care, that, that, that truth gets twisted, gets perverted into something else, and, and, and there's an all-out assault against them. As you know, there are so many problems and needs in our world, and I don't say this to drag us down, but part of living by faith is acknowledging reality, right? Living by faith doesn't mean stick your head in the sand and ignore problems. Living by faith starts by acknowledging reality, and living with vision starts by acknowledging. So, so listen to some of these. I think, and statisticians would say, sociologists would say, we are perhaps in the greatest loneliness epidemic the world has ever seen because we're more connected than ever, but more alone than ever. We see each other's lives. We see everything going on. We're connected, but people are living increasingly in isolation. Our county and our city here is a wealthy area, and we're shiny and happy on the outside, but we're still desperate and broken on the inside. We are surrounded by a Christian subculture where most people would claim Christianity, but many have never met Jesus, nor are they following him. We live in a time, and this is shocking, where human trafficking and sexual slavery is still on the rise, both globally and in our own backyard. Which, by the way, our Christmas offering this year, one-fourth of it is going to be all about supporting Project Rescue, which is one of the global leaders in anti-human trafficking. I can't wait to share more about that with you. Our world not only tolerates sin, but celebrates it. If you look at media, if you look at music, and I'm a fan of media. I love movies, I love music, I love storytelling, I love comedy, but so many things in that space um, are elevating sin. 
celebrating it, making much of it, normalizing it. It's one of the strategies of the enemy. He wants to normalize sin so we feel like it's not a big deal. And that's why we, and I love that we're in this Nashville area, we're a culture-creating city. Before this, I pastored in Los Angeles. It's why I love cities like this, cities that tell the stories that shape the world. And we need to start telling better stories, right? And I'm so thankful there are a lot of people committed to that. And we as a church wanna be a part of it. Depression and anxiety are on the rise. I've got four kids. I'm around students all the time. Right now, I'm our church's temporary youth pastor. Every kid is dealing with someone around them or some, some touch point with things like suicide and the darkest things that life has to offer. Fear and hatred seem to be on the rise. People are desperate for purpose and meaning trapped in selfishness. And what does scripture say to do? If you read into Habakkuk chapter two, verses two and three, he says, write down the revelation. He's talking about the revelation from God, the vision from God. Write it down and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the vision of God? What is the revelation of God? What shows us his heart? What is the hope in the midst of everything we just talked about? And it's a really clear and simple and powerful answer for the whole world. Number three, the revelation of God to us is Jesus. That's it. You wanna know what God is like, look to Jesus. You wanna know and, and, and gain a vision for your life. Jesus was the ultimate vision caster. He walked around and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And repent is not a, a threatening word, it's an invitational word. It says you can change the way you think. You can enter into a whole new kind of living. There's a whole new kingdom coming and you're invited, come follow me. That's what we're doing together. We're not chasing some vision that we have uniquely here at Graceland Church. We're doing what we put right up front and center. We are following the visionary Jesus, right? Compelling vision. That's the revelation of God to us. So when we're dissatisfied with present reality, the hope, the answer is you entering into relationship with Jesus, trusting him as your savior and as your Lord. And not just one time, you gotta do it every day. How many know you gotta, you gotta repent and return to the Lord on the daily? Anybody with me? On the hourly, a lot of times. I mean, we gotta come back and return. We gotta contend for our own souls. And that's why, number four, at Graceland Church, we are all about following Jesus. Really, that's our vision. That's just it. And I wanna encourage you to develop a passion, a passionate vision for following Jesus for all of your life. Settle it into your soul. I'm gonna be a lifelong follower of Jesus. If you're a young person here, I know you gotta think about college. Maybe you're in college and you gotta think about career. You gotta think about things. If you wanna get married, who am I gonna marry? Huge decisions. What has God called me to do? That's an okay question to ask. We should ask it, but we get it wrong a lot because all of us have the exact same calling. Jesus called every one of us to himself. That's it. That is the high calling. You are called to know and follow Jesus personally. And from that call will flow everything else. And the amazing thing about Jesus, the visionary, Jesus, our leader, is when he, when he invites us into his kingdom and, and his vision for life, it's from a posture of rest and peace. We're not like having to stir this up and somehow attain this. It's a gift. So our hard work, our vision, our future is from a posture of rest. He says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I was praying about 
this message this week and I kept on thinking of a particular movie that I love. And I'm just curious if we have any Top Gun fans in the house. Anybody with me? I mean, come on. Don't clap more for Top Gun than Jesus, but any Top Gun? I love Top Gun, the old one and the new one. New one's even better than the old one. I watched it six times in the theater. We went on a church event on opening weekend of Top Gun. I flew, I surprised my dad and worked it out with my little brother and flew all the way to Pennsylvania just to see it on opening night with my dad and my brother and then flew back. I'm like in, right? I'm a hardcore fan. I love uh, military aviation. I love aviation in general. I just took my son to a big air show just a couple weeks ago. I'm all in. If you wanna be a member of Graceland Church, you kinda have to love air shows and aviation. and You gotta love Top Gun or else repent because uh, the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, there's a, this is gonna be a, possibly a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it, you're the sinful one, so you can repent later and watch it. In the old one, there's someone named Goose. He was Mavericks, who's Tom Cruise's character, co-pilot. And Goose lost his life in that first one. And, and Maverick has been grieving that. And that's one of the plots. And Maverick would always say, talk to me, Goose. You guys remember that? And in the new one, there's Rooster, which is Goose's son. And Maverick is leading Rooster. I never thought I'd be talking about roosters and gooses in my sermon on a Sunday morning. Maverick, like what? If someone watches this clip, um, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. Rooster, I'm like explaining these plot twists. Rooster um, is now, you know, wrestling with his own thing. He, of course, lost his dad when he was young, and he ends up on this really intense mission with Maverick. And it comes to this point towards the end of the movie where the training is over. They're actually on the mission. And Rooster had struggled with being fully engaged when the rubber really, really met the road. And at this particular moment, the stakes are high. His team is depending on him. They're doing the low passes to try to avoid the missiles. They're trying to get in and take out the enemy's um, little, their target that the enemy has there. And, And he starts to disengage. He starts to struggle. He starts to slow down. And in the control room, they start panicking, saying, Rooster is disengaging. And they start trying to talk in his ear. Rooster, we need you to re-engage. Rooster, we need you. And, and he just sits there for a while, and he, he says the same thing that Maverick says, but for him, it's his dad. And he says, talk to me, dad. You guys remember that? Super great scene. I'm crying at this point. He says, he says talk to me, dad. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then it comes the amazing moment. He just realizes, it's like he gets vision again, bear with me. He just realizes the moment he's in and he can do this and all of a sudden he re-engages and he presses, presses his th- throttle forward in the control room. There's like, roosters re-engage. They start cheering. He's catching back up. All of a sudden he's there for his team. They have a successful mission. Amazing moment of the movie. Well, I think that sometimes us as Christians, us as followers of Jesus, we wrestle with the pain in our life, just like Rooster. We wrestle with the fear. We wrestle with the insecurity. We have all the normal human things, and I'm right there with you. I'm in the same boat. I wrestle with all of that stuff. We all do, and we can gradually just disengage. Like we still are a Christian. We still believe. We still are at church. We still will serve. We still will give. We still will try to raise our kids to know Jesus. But actually, we're a little bit disengaged in our heart. We're just in kind of a holding pattern. And I feel like part of what this message is about is to encourage you to re-engage today. Like re-engage the vision that you once had, the highest calling to know and follow Jesus. And perhaps you never actually have. It might be your first time engaging. And if and if you were really not convinced yet that this moment is for today, and this is kind of a joke. One of my friends, stand up, Ryan. Look what he wore. He did not know what I was preaching on. Give us a turnaround. Come on. Yes. Display it. Display it. Yes. 
Top Gun shirt in the audience. That means God is calling you to engage like rooster. Follow Jesus. When we start following Jesus, he, he immediately starts to change how we relate to ourselves, to him and others. And at least to number five, we are all about loving our neighbor. So I wanna encourage you, develop a passionate vision for loving those God has placed in your life. Every single person, every human is an image bearer of God. That means they were created in God's image. Therefore, every interaction you have with every person is a holy moment. Isn't that amazing? And how much more so with your friends, with your loved ones, with your family. I wanna encourage you to have vision for how you love your loved ones. I'm always trying to encourage men that are, that are married and raising kids, have more vision for your family than do you do for your business. Have more vision for your family than you do for your hobbies. Like, like have vision for your marriage, have vision for how you raise your kids. And you apply that, you might not be a, a, a dad or a husband, but apply it to who you love. Loving people is where it is. Every time I have my big lofty ideas of the great things that God wants us to do and the wonderful high callings, I feel like God is always pressing back on me. Nathan, just become really good at loving your wife. Just become really good at loving those kids. And you guys know, it's not always easy. Anybody willing? It's hard. <laughs> One dude raised his hand and his wife goes, bam. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not easy. Bam. Beautiful. <laughs> that was awesome. Bethany just hit Ryan hard. Then, as we love our neighbors, part of that leads us to number six. We are all about the good of our city. So I wanna encourage you to develop a passionate vision for living for the good of the city. We wanna be the kind of church that if we closed down, our town, our city would miss us. Jeremiah 29, seven says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, you may not think of it like this, but as Christians and as the church, we are not yet in our home, right? So this, this earth as it stands now, like Williamson County, Maury County, is not our home. We are, we are passing through. We are in exile in a sense. We are building towards a future of God's kingdom. But while we are here, Scripture says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to where I have called you in exile. Tracking with you? So it's part of loving people well, and it's part of our call from God. And the ultimate good of our city is revival. It's spiritual awakening. So that's what we pray for. So if you put it all together, you have our mission statement, following Jesus and loving our neighbor for the good of the city. And as we do that, we believe it will look like number seven in your notes. We envision a diverse and enduring church focused on the mission of God, building a land of grace. I'm so glad we have all different kinds of people in our church. We have old, we have young, we have middle we have different socioeconomic classes. We have different backgrounds. We have people that were basically born on pews in churches and others that when you first showed up here, you thought lightning was gonna strike you if you walked into a church building. We've got people from different cultures. We've got people from different ethnicities. We've got people from different uh, p political persuasions. We've got the full gamut. You know why? Because we're all invited in the kingdom of God and the church should reflect that and we're committed to it. And we want this to be an enduring church that focuses on God's mission. God has not called us to become internally focused and just stop. We are on mission to reach people. And the land of grace, we're building a land of grace for the good of the city. That's all that acreage that I showed you at 
from the Brotherhood Campout. I actually have a big meeting uh, this Friday with a potential developer. Pray for that. We're asking for God's wisdom as he guides our steps. It's all about who you partner with. But there's so many incredible things that, are, that I'm going to share as we lead up into our Christmas offering uh, in a, over the next month. Last point, practical application. What I'd like to encourage you to do if you're part of our church or if you'd like to be a part of it is number eight. Commit to gather, scatter, serve, and give. Four simple words that help us think through how we function as Christians and as the church together. Be committed to gathering consistently. That's what we're doing right now. Um, I wanna encourage you, don't treat gathering with the church flippantly. If you do, it will seem inconsequential to you because that's how you treat it. Are you tracking with me? In the same way, if you treat God's word flippantly and without reverence, you will think it's inconsequential in your life. I wanna encourage you to commit to gathering with the church, commit to showing up early, show hospitality, get connected, come ready to worship, come expecting that your smile in someone's life is gonna make an enormous difference. Teach your kids to do the same. Teach your grandkids to do the same. And it doesn't mean like we're not taking attendance. We're not like legalist about it. But at a heart level, are you all into gathering with the church? I just want to challenge you with that. And let me confess to you, I need to be with the church personally. I need to come alongside people and run with them or else I will fall off the face of the earth. Anybody with me? Like I, when I am overly isolated, I just start suffering. It's hard. It's, I need the body. And I'm really thankful that I get to do that a lot. And there are many things, this is a confession of a pastor you don't always expect to hear, but there are many church functions that when I'm thinking about it at home or when I'm planning for it, I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Anybody with me? And I like what Stephen Hulay says. He's one of our recovery ministers on our staff. He says, usually if I really feel like I don't wanna do it, it means I really should. And that's some, something about the human nature there. Um, I didn't really wanna go on the Brotherhood camp out. I was the one running the thing. That's me. Like I, I was tired. I'm thinking about my week. I, you know, it was just, I was like, man, I'm exhausted. But you know what? It was amazing because I forced myself to be there. And that's not to overly moralize any single thing. This is a place of freedom, not of condemnation. But I encourage you, prioritize gathering with the church. And then scatter is the second word. That means we're not just the church when we're gathered here together, we're the church when we are scattered out in the world, like at your job, at your school, with your family, in your home. So scatter intentionally, share the love of Jesus, share hope with people. Students, when you're at school, be kind to someone that's getting picked on. Be, let your smile give great hope to someone. Let your kindness change people's day. Be an inviter of people into the family of God. And then the third word is serve. That just means get connected here somewhere and join a team. I'm gonna speak to you plainly for a second, but at some point, everyone who's in a church family, just like if you're in a blood family, has to kind of grow up and start being a part of it. You know how you think about your kids? Like if you're, my oldest is 14 and she's amazing and she is an active part of our family. She does all kinds of things. She, we can trust her with so much. She's an incredible young woman. And if she wasn't like that right now, I'd be like, hey, you better get on the ball, become part of this family. I'm about to say, go start making some money. Like bring it, bring it in the house. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't talk to my five-year-old like that because he's barely getting started. He's kind of half human, half animal still. And he's my, he's my first son. He's like a different species and he's amazing little clay, but, but it's a little different. But some of you, if I can just talk plainly, I, I want you to grow up in the house of God, grow up in your faith. And part of that is serve, be a part of the family, get skin in the game. 
right? Put in some sweat and some tears. Use your gifts here. And then it leads to the fourth thing. Part of that is also giving, being a part of the house financially. And this is mostly just biblical and for your sake. Of course, it affects our church. It's how we function. It's how we budget. It's how we do missions work all around the world. But really what I'm most passionate about is you learning the principles of tithing and giving above and beyond and obedience and generosity for your own sake so that you can have a flourishing financial life. And I don't mean that if you do it, you're gonna be rich. It's not like some kind of weird, I'm not like prosperity gospel guy, but I mean, you need to be free of the burden of money and have the mindset of the usefulness of money in life and in the kingdom as, you, as the power of it is kind of broken off of you, right? That's what tithing is about. Scripture is this kingdom principle about bring, bringing our first 10% into the house of God, right? Of course, it's how the house of God functions, but more than that, it's an act of obedience, of returning to the Lord, with grateful hearts, what is his is what scripture teaches. And I believe Jesus affirms it in the book of Matthew. I'm not gonna do a full teaching on it right now, but we're, it's, we're in October 1st right now. And I'd like to challenge you, if you've never prayerfully considered tithing and just to get, just to help you with maybe thinking I'm trying to be self-serving, um, if you're not a part of Graceland or you don't trust us or aren't comfortable here, go tithe somewhere else. Like I just wanna challenge you to the principle for your own discipleship for these next three months, October, November, December. And the Lord actually says in the Bible, test me in this and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven. And that doesn't just mean more money, it means peace. It means freedom, it means wisdom. And it sounds corny, but I actually believe this. I believe we can do more with 90% of our income when we're walking in the blessing of God than we can do with 100% of our income not being obedient. I just believe that. I'm saying it bluntly for your own sake. And then I don't just stop there. I think God calls us to give above and beyond that. I don't even think we're being generous until we're already tithing, that's obedience. Then I, I encourage you to be generous on top of it. When we take offerings, give to it. Be generous to the people around you. We have a Christmas offering coming up that we do each year. And I'm so excited for this year's. We're gonna partner with Project Rescue, uh, anti-human trafficking. We're gonna do things that invest in the next generation here in our church do things with the land of grace for the good of the city, our benevolence and recovery fund. We shoot high for it and it's a chance to bring our best gift to the Lord. But I just want to challenge you to prayerfully consider, don't do it because I'm saying it to you, talk to God about it. Seek the Lord for yourself in scripture. So gather, scatter, serve and give. And one date I wanna give you, and then we're gonna do um, a baptism. We're gonna celebrate, it's gonna be amazing. The fall festival is coming up. This be a great way to take one step into the water, if you will. I wanna encourage everyone in the room. It's an all hands on deck event. We have all these booths that we run. We're gonna to try to fill up our property with over a thousand people this year. Last year was 800 and we just serve and love our city. It's on Saturday, November 11th, one to 4 p.m. Bethany Collins, the one who hit her husband earlier is our event coordinator and runs fall festival. <laughs> It was almost a punch. I mean, it was almost like in the side. It was almost in his ear. It was a, Bethany's amazing. And she is one of the most gifted organizers I've ever been around. And so what I need you to do is if you want to help with that, don't assume that we know it. Even I, I'm going to actually put my name on there so that Bethany knows I'm a part of the event and she's going to help me get connected with running something for it. Um, all hands on deck, but that's an easy way to start stepping in. We also have newcomers connect today. A number of you guys are already coming. Even if you're not signed up yet, we still have some more space right after this service, right through that hallway and right up those stairs. We have a spread of refreshments. That's amazing. We were donated a bunch of cookies today from, um, does anyone remember the name of the store? 
Cookie Co. that a friend of ours just opened. They're the best cookies I've ever had in my life. There's some, there's some in the foyer too. Um, but you can come to Newcomers Connect. It's just 30 minutes. We even have childcare for it. It's a way to step more in to the family of God. And, and with that, I'm gonna invite the worship team up and I wanna pray for you. And we're about to baptize Henry Just. So actually, Henry and Peter. Is Henry in here yet, Peter? Or is he still upstairs? Sherry's gonna go get them. Go ahead and get them, Sherry. And send Henry down first. Peter, you can start to get ready. He's gonna baptize his son. Daniel Standish got baptized in first service. Let's hear it for Daniel. It was just amazing. He's double dipping. He's in second service too. Do you wanna go in again? Didn't you? <laughs> It's gonna be amazing and we're gonna celebrate. Uh, but before we do, I wanted to share this closing story because ultimately our vision as a church and your vision as a Christian needs to be, yes, knowing and following Jesus, but it has to be about others. And I'll never forget one of the times God taught me this. I was doing some work on a Friday evening actually because I was just so behind, I had to do it. And Clay was a baby at this point, our son. We have four kids and he was our last. And I got a call from my wife that Clay was not breathing well and she was rushing him to the hospital. And of course, as any, any parent and human knows, everything else stops at that moment because you know, breathing and heart beating are among the most important things. We gotta make sure everything's fine. I'm thankful to say he did have to have some, some pretty intense procedures done that first year, but he's completely healthy and uh, flourishing. Uh, and we're so thankful for that. But when I got that call as a dad, everything else that I'm doing stops and everything else that I'm worried about or concerned about stops. It just clarifies vision. I need to make sure my son is breathing and that's all that matters right now. And it's similar with God our Father and his children, especially his lost children. So if you've come home to know the Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And we're gonna help you know and follow Jesus and grow in your faith and we are locked together. But you know what? We're not meant to just stop there. God has children out there that have not come home. Do you realize that? Pause for a second. Welcome Graceland kids into the house. Come on. Right here. Just They can stand right here. They can sit right here. Come fill this whole area up. We're bringing some of the kids in to help celebrate this baptism because one of their own is getting baptized. Look at all these awesome kids. Yes. Oh yeah, Just family, come all the way to the front so you guys can make sure you see, come right up here to the front by the Robinsons. Cameron, can you take this top off and just put it in the back room? Thank you. This is gonna be so awesome. I would like to mention, if you've not been baptized, we wanna baptize you. What baptism is, is the outward declaration of the inner decision to follow Jesus, the public declaration. Um, even if you wanted to get baptized today, we could baptize you. We have extra clothes and towels. Just let me know. Um, or you can meet Stephen in the booth right there. Stephen, wave at us real quick. If you want to get baptized and aren't even prepped today, he could help you out with some stuff. But we do baptisms all the time, so we'll be doing them again. You could sign up to get back. Hey, guys. Hey, kids. How you guys doing? How are Graceland kids doing? Come on. Are you guys doing good? Having fun upstairs? That's amazing. Are you excited about this baptism? Yes gonna be awesome let me just finish one story then we're gonna do it so back to the adults as I was just mentioning everything stops from a father's perspective when we have someone that's not breathing and metaphorically if you follow the breathing metaphor there are people in your life that don't know the Lord yet 
that are not breathing well. Are you tracking with me? And we are a church that is meant to be like a hospital. We are meant to be a place where we are bringing in people to receive life in Jesus. That's what we're all about. So it leads to things like this, baptisms. And Peter and Henry, why don't you go ahead and get on in? You can walk up the stairs and there's a step as you come in. Let's give them a hand as they come in. What's up, Henry? We have this baptism certificate that you guys are going to get after. Peter, you'll sign on here too. I already signed as the pastor. It says he was baptized today in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit on the first day of October. And you have the command of Jesus there in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's what we're doing. So, Henry, you've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus? That's so awesome, man. We're so happy for you. And uh, Peter, do you want to share a little bit about what God has done in your life and family? I'll hold this for you. I'm uh, so excited that uh, Henry is taking this step. And, um, and it's because of him that our family is here. Um, you would always, uh, when we go to school, he'd come back and say, Hey, Dad, how come uh, we don't go to church? And um, so, well, we haven't found a home church yet. And we've looked, we haven't found anything yet. And then uh, just kept asking. One day, you know, where's the fall festival? And my wife and uh, my son came out here and said, oh, this is a great place. And little did I know, it was your daughter, Nessa, talking with my son about this church. And um, the, first the first day I came in here, it was fantastic. It was the message I needed to hear, the message I wanted to hear, and it just resonated with me. And every day... I come, or every Sunday when I come in here, it's wonderful, and it's because of you and all of you over here. It's a, uh, it's a great place, and I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of both my boys, but I'm really proud of you. You are, you are. You cut your mother's heart, but your playfulness is all me, <laughs> and 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 I, I. Uh, I look at pictures of myself when I was seven and younger, and I just see, I see me in you. And I am so proud of you. I am proud to be your dad. Come on, let's celebrate with this family. So here's what we're gonna do. So you can just stand him up right there. And in a minute, kids, you can stand so you can see. Go ahead and stand and kind of just come around the side. Any of the family, just walk up, come around, gather here. The team is gonna start to play and we're gonna sing church. And uh, Peter's going to pray with his son off the mic, and then he's going to baptize them. Listen, when Henry comes up, guys, um, whole church, we need to shout so loud that they hear us on Broadway Street in downtown Nashville. You guys with me? So let's just begin to worship and sing. Peter, you can pray with them and then baptize them when you're ready. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me When I fell away, you paid it all for me You have been so, so
Church, let's sing this. Come on. Come on, let's sing it out, guys. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming never-ending Come on, let's sing it one more time. Come on, church. Oh, the overwhelming. So celebrate with you guys. Henry, we're so proud of you. You guys can hop on out and start trying off. Church, let's hear it for him one more time. We love you, Henry. I'm going to pray this benediction over us, then we're going to be dismissed. Uh, I want to remind you, Newcomers Connect folks, right through the hallway upstairs. I'll see you up there in just a couple minutes. Um, Youth tonight, come on, kickball worship. We have some stories from some great friends of mine, snacks. It's going to be awesome. I hope to see you at five o'clock. Here's the benediction. Now to God Almighty, whose plans for us do not end in death, to our Lord Jesus Christ, who entered our world so that we might enter his, and to the Holy Spirit, who works constantly in our hearts, preparing us for the great day. Be all our praise and love until we meet him face to face. And may we, and may we his church, overflow with his love to the world around us, that all may see him and know him, true love, true peace, true joy, and walk in the way everlasting. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great day.